1: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahadudun Dock and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone
3: Motors. Welcome, welcome, welcome this Friday afternoon to Late Lunch. You know I'm feeling good today. I've just had the most beautiful fish finger butty. Do you ever eat them? Oh, they're just lovely. I got some fresh sourdough bread in McCluskey's this morning. Beautiful, the sourdough, the seeded sourdough. Put the fish fingers under the grill. I had only four of them left. I must get some the weekend. Put them under the grill, gave them the grilling. Put them between the bread. Now, this is crucial, folks. You've got to have mayonnaise and Heinz tomato sauce. And press hard on the slice of bread. Cut it in two. Big mug of tea. I'll tell you one thing. You can't whack it. Just simply beautiful. So I'm in mean, good fettle. The belly's full and we're ready to go. And, you know, it put me in mind of my first guest because, you see, I was thinking, remember I mentioned yesterday, late on in the show, about the approval for dried mealworms by the EU Food Safety Agency uh, yesterday. That news came through and I was thinking, maybe in years to come, there'll be something else between my bread. Made up. From protein, from insects. Well, to find out more about this, there's only one man for us on late lunch. We met him first when he entered the young entrepreneur competition. He had a wonderful idea. No surprise to us. He went all the way to the finals. He won and the rest is history because himself and his buddy had set up a business in Mead called Hexafly. Yes, John Lynham and Alvin Hunt have a wonderful business idea and Alvin is with me on the line. Hello, Alvin.
4: Hi, Gary. How are things? Thanks for having me on the call.
3: Did you ever have a fish, uh, fish finger butty sandwich or did you ever yeah. hear of it in your life?
4: It, it sounds tasty anyway,
3: that's for sure. <laughs> it was tasty, it really was. Anyway, thank you for joining me. I heard you on our business brief yesterday and I, I was talking to my producer, Louise, and said, let's give him a shout today to talk to us on the show. Look, maybe for listeners speaking today, when people hear of worms and human food, they obviously say, oh my word, not this. What do you make of this approval yesterday? I'm sure it's something you expected and does it open up opportunities for you?
4: Yeah. Look, I think uh, I think it's very good in general for the industry, uh, you know, broadly for to have the approval. So you know, it was submitted four years ago by a French company, and there's been kind of a lot of, uh, you know, uh, kind of they've been pushing to try and get insects approved as a as a food ingredient. But I suppose in people's minds, they're probably thinking, you know, a whole insect on on a plate where where it's not really uh, that per se. It's more you're talking about like a, a protein powder. Something that can be used in cakes, whey proteins, snacks. There's even some companies looking at uh, you know protein pasta, things like that, and biscuits and and what have you. So it's so it's really that it can be used in a as an ingredient, uh, you know, that can complement you know kind of meat-free products or alternative type type products and your superfood type products that are, that are coming out on on the market. So yeah, look, it does it represents I suppose a good potentially new market for us. Our, our main focus has been on the on the animal side and, you know, the, the animal feed side over the last couple of years. But it's, it's definitely something that will open up new avenues for us in, in the years to come.
3: You mentioned that people would get a bit queasy thinking of eating actual mealworms on a plate or other insects. But you do know this being a travelled man, that in the Far East, this is commonplace.
4: Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, insects have been a part of uh, human diets in, in Asia and the Far East for for, for thousands of years. I suppose the, one of the reasons for that is is that they're you know they're nutrient dense. Uh, they're very very high in protein. Uh, if you take for example black soldier fly, it would have as much protein in it as, as meat, so it's, it's high in protein as a steak. But it also would have the same amount of calcium as milk. So so you have kind of pr- protein and the calcium together with a lot of other nutrients, which you know make it really an attractive food uh, product. And that's why you have a lot of a lot of companies that, are, that that are looking at this at the moment.
3: You know, corn products are an alternative for people who are vegan, vegetarian. Could you see a day where you would have insect burgers, or sausages, or processed meats like that?
4: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean there there are some there are some countries in Europe already where there's pre existing legislation that allows insect products on the market, and you, and you can for 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 food that is and you can see that in like finland the netherlands and places like that where they're already there's you know insect burgers and things like that are started starting to come out So definitely i would see it as you know uh becoming a, a you know a complementary new in, a, you know new protein ingredient in in that into that growing sector so yeah it's something i i i see growing over the over the next couple of years
3: you mentioned the black soldier fly, and of course, that it, creature has been uh, the basis of your business. These are the, the flies that, that you rear and, and produce your products at the moment from.
4: Yeah, that's right. So we use black soldier fly, um, and I suppose what it does is it takes in raw material byproducts or waste streams, it converts that then into a fertilizer, and then we process the the black soldier fly into oils and proteins, and that goes into aquaculture pet food. And also, there's there's going to be new regulatory uh, approval, which is imminent in the next two to three months, uh, which will allow insect protein to be used in poultry diets and in swine diets. And um, so that will, you know, the insect protein powder can be mixed with your poultry seed and your swine seed and um, because it's, well, I suppose they have done. A, so many studies in Europe and everything that have shown that there's, there's a lot of health benefits, high protein content, improved gut health and things like that. So it's it's exciting times ahead for, for the whole industry.
3: So there you are, ladies and gentlemen, in our audience today. You will be inadvertently or indirectly directly consuming this in the near future because if it's fed to poultry, fed to swine, etc., it will be in the food chain. And it's perfectly safe and nutritious. We want to say that again. Tell us about the life cycle of the black soldier fly.
4: Yeah, well, it's a pretty amazing, uh, pretty amazing insect. So it has a life cycle that will last only about uh, two and a half weeks. So, so it starts off uh, at the adult fly. The adult flies mate, and they then lay eggs. The eggs are collected, and they then grow and kind of hatch out into very small hatchlings. And then they kind of grow. That's kind of like your juvenile stage. And then they grow out further into larvae, uh, where they eat most of the nutrients for their life at that stage. And then when they have finished that and they've grown full and fat, they start to go hard, which is you call it pupation. So they go hard, and then out of that shell, then your new adults uh, will emerge. The whole life cycle is about about two weeks.
3: And you wait till the adult emerges before you do your stuff or work your magic with them, is it?
4: That's right. Yeah. So we would we would t- set aside then uh, to process the larvae when they're at that stage, just before they turn uh, turn into pupae. And um, so that would be the stage when they're where where they're, I suppose, at their most um, nutrient dense, etc. And we would process them at that stage, and then we would keep back a certain percentage of of, of the population. Then a certain percentage of pupae, and that goes back into the uh, in, 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 into the breeding cycle, so that we have continuous uh, supply of of, of insects.
3: Now we know this debate rages in the context of climate change, emissions, and the production of protein from other sources, our traditional sources. You guys, with what you do, you're really low on this front. You're uh, eco-friendly.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, it's it's one of the reasons that's dri- driving this kind of alternative demand for alternative protein and protein that can be produced. Uh, locally uh, as opposed to having to be shipped. So you have animal feed that's been shipped all across the world and stuff. But if you can produce your protein locally, you can save on on, on, uh, your carbon emissions. So if you compare insect protein, in terms of CO2 emissions, it's actually the most efficient form of protein production. It represents about a 90% reduction in CO2 emissions compared to most other uh, forms of like soybean farming, fish meal and things like that. So it, it, you know, and it uses, you know, very very little land usage, very little water usage, no antibiotics or anything like that. So, and you can, it, it can be used in a vertical farming system. So you can go, you can go upward as opposed to outward, um, and use very little land. So from a from a CO two and sustainability perspective uh, perspective, insect farming is is really really good.
3: What about the operation there that you've established in County Mead? Capacity wise, are you meeting demand?
4: We're. There, there's so much demand. We're not meeting it at the moment. So we we have, I suppose, we have big plans. I mean, we have 25 people now employed. But there, you know, the the, the, the market for insect protein is growing. You have the pet market, you have the aqua feed market, and now we're going to have the poultry market coming on board soon. So we're we're looking at you know a major expansion um, this year to to expand our operations and uh, to to increase and build a new plant, much much bigger capacity, um, and that'll, that'll you know be able to allow us to. To export also increase our export potential. And um, one of the other products that we produce as well, which is a byproduct, this is the uh, frass, which is fertilizer. And um, so it's actually an organic fertilizer that can be, um, can be used in horticulture, can be used in agriculture. And that's something as well that we're, we're scaling at the moment also.
3: Your customers in Ireland, Europe, I take it, the UK, who've uh, stepped out of our little uh, club at the moment <laughs> for the foreseeable yeah. future. What about the United States? Uh, are you looking at that market? Or are you in there at the moment?
4: Yeah, I think the market in Europe and the UK is, you know, for where we're at at the moment, is it, 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 big enough. Uh, it, the American market is definitely growing. Um, Black Soldier Fly is already approved over there. Many other insect companies are, are trying to move into the American market. Uh, the was French company recently that, that announced major expansion there. So the, the, in in uh, in the US, you have um, uh, black soldier fly and other insects are already approved for for poultry, and um, so that legislation is now when you're coming to Europe, so that'll match it up. But the market really is is a global market, and it, it, it's so big that you can you know you can you have you know there's there's a big enough market uh, locally even for us.
3: Mm. Besides the food chain uh, I did read and I do know this about you uh, about what you do uh, there are some products in the cosmetics personal care area as well that this is applicable to
4: yeah, so one of the products that we have is, a, is a insect oil. Um, and the insect oil is nutritionally identical to, uh, to coconut oil um, in its composition. So it's exactly the same as coconut oil. So there's, a, so there's a whole lot of range of things that can be used for it. it can actually be used in, in pig and poultry diets um, as a gut supplement, but it can be used also potentially in skin care, cosmetics, and can be used in candles, waxes, and things like that. So there's a broad range of applications for what it can be used for
3: it's terrific isn't it it really is and what I think I remember meeting you first when you entered the Young Entrepreneur Competition with this concept uh, yourself and John and look where it's gone to now and, and where you're headed for uh, as well what what about uh, I have to ask before we go because it's impacted everybody this last year and COVID and the business world how has Hexafly uh, you know coped with that
4: look I suppose we've been impacted by, by most other Irish businesses as well and um, you know the the lockdowns. I suppose the closure of uh, you know uh, reduced footfall to pet stores, garden centres, and things like that, and just disruption in general across the economy. So look, 2020 has been has been a tough year for for most Irish business. It's been tough for us as well. So we're you know, but we we we, we we're hoping that this year is going to be a lot better, um, and we're hoping that there'll be minimal disruption with with Brexit also, and that we can they can work through the issues with customs. But yeah, I think for for, for most Irish uh, businesses, and even in, in in the sector we're in, in agri and stuff, it was it was a tough year. But we're we're hopeful for the future.
3: Well, that famous comedian Peter Kay, one of his most famous uh, comedy clips says, "Garlic bread, it's the future." Well, we're talking <laughs> about the future today with you, Alvin. It certainly is in the uh, world of insects. You're a great guy. Good luck to yourself and John and everybody there. And thank you so much for joining me on the show today.
4: Thanks, Jerry. All the best.
3: Bye-bye. Take care of yourself. Bye. That's Alvin Hunt there, a wonderful young man from County Mead, who, along with his partner, John, line and business partner, has set up Hexafly, and they are going places. Well, there you have it, folks. It's the future. Forget about garlic bread. It's flies. It's insects. That's where this is headed. There are so many benefits. There really are. And believe you me, believe you me, as Peter Kate would say, It's heading into the human food chain. We're going to be feeding this to poultry and to uh, pigs as well in the near future. You heard about the organic nature of the fertilizer. It's all good. It really is. What do you think? Have you an opinion? (laughs) Are you eating your dinner or having a sandwich as you listen to us? And wondering like I was when I had my... Uh, fish finger buddy, if you have an opinion, if you want to say something, the lines are open on late lunch today to give us a shout 086-1800-658. That's the WhatsApp or text number, or you can call in on 1850 715 Now, I just want to go back to yesterday and mention something to you. Um, towards the end of the show yesterday, yes, well, it was the very end of the show. We were talking about the barn owl. Do you remember? Yes, to Susan, we had a great chat with her. Well, she was on to me after the show and she said, Jerry, I would be grateful if tomorrow you could mention this to your listeners, that Birdwatch Ireland would love to hear from people in Louth and Meath and surrounding counties who may have been listening to us yesterday if they spot a barn owl. So there you are folks. If you've spotted a barn, barn owl or you know there's one nesting or roosting on your land or in a building near where you are or woodland, Birdwatch Ireland are really keen to find out find out because you see they're tracking the numbers here and it is very important. So listen up if you have an owl a barn owl in your uh, vicinity where you live please get in touch with Birdwatch Ireland. And uh, the man there is John Lusby. He's a great guy. He wants to hear from you. So they're putting together a major national survey on this, and John can be contacted if you want to get directly in touch with him. J Lusby, that's L-U-S-B-Y, at birdwatchireland.ie. That's J Lusby, L-U-S-B-Y, at birdwatch Ireland.ie. Or go onto the Birdwatch Ireland website there and give them a shout. I'm a member of Birdwatch myself, I have to say. And uh, it's a wonderful organisation, and you get a great Um, update each uh, quarter from them and they send you out loads of information and pictures and books and everything and it's well worth supporting them. I say that to you again on Late Lunch this afternoon. Lots of chat to come still on the show because we will be talking in a wee while to Tara Walker. Yes, uh, Tara's with us after half two. I'll just mention Tara because if you're doing Veganuary, and a lot of people seem to be, where they're incorporating more vegetables into their diet, maybe once a week in a meal. Some people going the whole week, the whole month with her. Well, Tara's focusing on Veganuary today and some hints and tips and simple dishes for you. Uh, She'll be bringing those to you on the show after half past two. But on this Friday afternoon, it's time to head to our first break. Yes, Walking on Cars on your late lunch this Friday afternoon. Ah, Jerry, will you leave off the worms? For God's sake, I'm in the middle of my dinner. Apologies, apologies, apologies. It had to be talked about, though. It's the coming thing. It really is. You'll be eating that dinner in a few years and so they'll not be bothering you. The worms will be in there and you won't even know it and they'll taste gorgeous. As long as the customer knows about it in its food, it's okay. If you can choose what you eat, if it's given without the customer's knowledge or consent, that should be forbidden and fined with big financial costs, says Ella. And you're right there. You are. that That is the truth. I was just thinking, reminded me actually of, do you remember the horse meat scandal in Ireland? Do you know when that was? That was actually 2013. Would you believe it? Eight years ago at this stage, Tesco were in. In the throes of it, so they were 30%, up to 30% of the meat in the burgers was found to be horse meat and nobody knew. And everyone was eating them and enjoying them. You see, that's the point I make. Horse meat was a big thing many years ago. People ate it, especially in the tough years of the war. I remember hearing stories about that. It was vital. But anyway, it was in the burgers. Nobody knew about it. As Ella said there a moment ago, it was totally wrong. Nobody had a clue it was there. Came to light and there was ructions in 2013. I remember it well. Instantly. Tesco lost 300 million sterling in value. The company itself, just like that, bang, it was gone. Shows you, just does show you when uh, something like that breaks the damage it can actually do. And talking about burgers leads me nicely to the story I was reading. Was it yesterday evening or last night uh, at some time? Some, what will I call them? I'll think about it. I'll just hold back on the word when to describe them. Some people left County Meath and drove 80 kilometres to buy a burger. Now, listen, five kilometres is the limit. We know that. And we should all be staying within the 5k unless we have to go outside it for good reason. But imagine driving 80 kilometres to buy a burger. They were stopped and they've been fined as well. And I don't think they've been fined enough, to be honest with you. I really believe that. Like to go that distance, come off it. And the numbers that are losing their lives every day our hospitals are almost overrun with COVID cases. There is no excuse for that. Honestly, no excuse. You should be ashamed of yourself, whoever you are. I'm delighted they were actually stopped. I really am. But to go that distance, my God, what's wrong with Just Eat or something like that? Can't you order directly with a company like that and be delivered to you? I know people are pent up with energy and want to get out and want to have these restrictions lifted. We all do. I do. Everybody does. But we've got to think of our families, our neighbours, the vulnerable. We've got to do what we're doing for the greater good. I say it again. I keep saying it every day. Hands, face and space. Wash the hands, cover the face if you have to go anywhere and keep that space. Keep away from people. Treat it as we're hearing, as if. Everybody potentially has this COVID and that you could pick it up. And remember this, it's not just, yes, the older groups, the older age groups are vulnerable, but they're seeing severe cases now in much younger people as well. Please do keep that in mind. 80 kilometres for a burger. Will I say the word? Oh, I, I can describe them. I really can. And you think, as I said before, it's only on the steps of the Capitol in Washington that you have People who are deluded and don't care and don't give a damn about anybody else. No, they're right here on our doorsteps, I have to say as well. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. If you have something to say, don't forget 086-1800-658, WhatsApp or text me. We're heading to uh, news and weather at two o'clock. And after two, Jerry Williamson's with us. And he's come up with a lovely little project that he's been working on during lockdown. Never received a truer WhatsApp message, Jerry. This is me, how I'm feeling now, says a listener. And this is what the little saying says and the image. It's brilliant. No matter how big a hammer you use, you can't pound common sense into stupid people. I'm beginning to believe you're right the longer I live. Thanks indeed. Keep the messages coming to us. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show or eighteen fifty seven one five. 958. If you'd like to call in to late lunch on LMFM radio this Friday afternoon. Now, my next guest, I know from my sporting past because I met him first in Navin Rugby Club and what a great guy he always was to deal with there on the rugby front. He's the former president of Navin Rugby Club who's come up with a nifty little idea that really has taken legs during the pandemic. I'm delighted to say welcome and hello again to Jerry Williamson. Jerry, how are you?
5: Very good, Jerry, and thank you very much for having me on.
3: Not uh, at all. <laughs> Delighted to chat to you. Well, look, at. let's go back and just tell listeners about this project. You had an idea pre the pandemic about this, hadn't you?
5: Correct. Um, I, towards the end of last August, I was in a group, a WhatsApp group, on a rugby group, and we we're always talking about the Six Nations and the Pro 14s and the Heineken Cups and the Lions, et cetera, and provincial rugby. But I said to one one day, I said, to one of the lads? You know, there's nothing about uh, domestic rugby in Ireland. You don't hear anything on uh, on club forums or forums groups about uh, AIL rugby, junior club rugby, minis rugby, girls, youths, tag rugby." inclusive rugby wheelchair rugby you don't hear anything about that so uh, it was suggested to me why don't I set up a group so uh, at the end of August in September uh, myself with Peter Searson who is from Malone Rugby Club in the North uh, we set up this uh, AIL rugby and club rugby group and uh, just see what was happening in the various clubs and uh, we decided then to get it going which was very successfully and then, of course, come March, uh, when we had the lockdown, there was no, nothing happening and no domestic rugby. I had to come up with some idea how to keep it going. So I decided then to start uh, looking at the history of rugby clubs, where they started, when they started or how they started. And as I, I started off working on the senior clubs and worked my way down to junior clubs. So far now, at the moment, What I've been doing is putting up on uh, on this private uh, Facebook page of AIL Rugby, Club Rugby, uh, I have been putting up a synopsis history of the various clubs, of where and how to start, etc., and the background and players who played in those clubs. And uh, so far now, I have reached uh, club number 242. Brilliant. and um, which is uh, the uh, WIT Vikings Rugby Club in Waterford, and um, there's even a, a, the Bar of Ireland Rugby Club uh, her, of her Barristers Rugby Club, and there's another one in the North, which I will be putting up fairly shortly. I hope at the uh, Dublin Fire Brigade Rugby Clubs. But the point is that this has stimulated a lot of interest, and uh, we have gained now something like um, we've over seven hundred, we've seven hundred and seventy members now in our group. Terrific. And they, they, they. Uh, I am every so often. I put up what's happening at the moment. Now I know there's no rugby being played, but there's a lot of um, interest in the sense of doing uh, fitness, keeping fit. Yeah. Uh, a mo-, mo a motivation.
3: Yes, yes, Sorry, I understand guys. what you're talking about. But, Lona, when I say this to you, it's, it's a wonderful project. And obviously, uh, since March, you've had time in your hands and you've been Correct. confined as well, like uh, the, the majority of us, and, and you've put it to good use. So what you're doing is you're putting up a wee synopsis of each Correct. of these clubs on this Facebook page that you can go in and have a look at your club and get a little bit of information or anybody can see what's there about their clubs. Now, there are some very interesting clubs and stories you've come across. Tell me about the... The the uh, club on the Cooley Peninsula.
5: Oh, <laughs> Carlingford Knights. Yeah, uh, the, the Carlingford Knights was started up about uh, eight years ago, and uh, it's, it's it's based up in Carlingford and the and uh, 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 the, uh, the Cooley Peninsula, and they started off at minis level. That is from under sixes up to under twelves, and yeah. uh, last in two thousand and nineteen they graduated into a um, uh, youth level, and they actually played their first youth level match in uh, Leinster League. Uh, I, I happened to be against Navan. Uh, it was at the beginning there of last season. Right. And um, the Carlingford Knights, and actually, of course, their, 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 I suppose, I wouldn't say they're used as sponsors, but their uh, patrons are the Carney brothers, Rob and Dale Carney. Of
3: course. Lovely, lovely. And like, you know, in a traditional GA stronghold and they're a very new club here. Tell us about this Tommy Bow fella. He thinks he's the bee's knees with his range of clothing. And there he is in Ireland AM every morning swooning out to the ladies from the television screen. But listen, he's had a few hiccups along the way, Jerry, Tell us a couple of the Tommy Bow stories.
5: But Tommy, Tommy started, it was uh, went to Queen's University in Belfast, and he played with Queen's University uh, uh, rugby before. This was before involved with Ulster, etc., and, and uh, Ireland. But anyhow, he was playing in an All Ireland match against uh, Ballinagh over in the west of Ireland. And when he when the team got to Ballinagh discovered Tommy discovered that he had no boots. <laughs> he left his boots behind. <laughs> so he had to go and find a pair of boots and he was given a pair of boots from uh, from Ballinarrobery club they supplied him with a pair of boots which they had in their lost and found office
3: <laughs>
5: And the point is Tommy actually went on and he actually scored two tries against Ballinar
3: good man, <laughs> and and is there a story about something about two left boots with Tommy as well? Was there, was there another well, yeah,
5: one? That, that, well, at first, it was told somebody said that he 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 left he left a two, he had bought two left boots with him, but he actually did not bring any boots with him. He actually had no boots whatsoever. None. He forgot to pack them.
3: There you go. And then, ah, listen, there,
5: go ahead. There was a, there's another one of, uh, of a player down in um, in Yall in County Cork. Uh, this was in the 50s, or late 50s. And the, the, a match had started, and after about five minutes, the referee actually had stopped the match. And he discovered that one of the players had no boots on at all. He was just in the stockings. Oh. So he told the player to go in to the dressing room and get put on a pair of boots. And he came back out after about six minutes or seven minutes, wearing a pair of Wellingtons, <laughs> tied up to his togs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: but these are the type of nuggets you're coming across as you delve yep. into the clubs and their wee histories as well I see Charlie Chaplin's name mentioned what's that about?
5: Yeah um, there's a, a cup competition I've been, I've been sort of looking at cups uh, domestic cup competitions uh, there's a cup competition held down in uh, Limerick called the Transfield Cup now the Transfield Cup was actually donated by this gentleman uh, who's an Englishman uh, his name was Transfield, and he had a circus, and he was trying to figure out a way of, of, of attracting people to come to his to circus. So he decided to donate a cup for a, a, for a cup final, and the, what he did was uh, he got he had the circus on starting say at eleven o'clock in the, in the morning, and then the cup would match would be on about maybe half two or three o'clock in the afternoon. And obviously, that was a great way of getting the, the rugby crowd in to watch the circus. OK. And his, but one of his acts was a, a clown, and his name was Charlie Chaplin. And Charlie Chaplin got his first break in show business acting as a clown in the, trans, uh, the Transfield Circus in Limerick, uh, way back, I think, around 1896 or thereabouts. What a story
3: What a story and what a link for Chapman and by the way I do want to say I think the world of Tommy Bowie is great I've met him a few times and he's a fantastic fella but that is a real quirky story well, he, uh, about him
5: Well I know he, he's he been back to Ballina quite a few times they, they've had him as a guest speaker maybe some yeah. of their functions and that sort of thing but, uh, yeah. Yeah. but those are the sort of things uh, I've come across and um, also I mean for instance I don't know whether people know this or not where for for the Ford Henry Ford uh, factory was in Cork and the Dunlop factory in Cork, along the river there, before those factories were in existence, there was actually a race course there. And rugby was played on it, on the, mm-hmm. on, along the marina. And uh, actually, Bandon Rugby Club beat uh, Cork County, which ev- eventually became Cork Constitution, in the, county, in the Cork uh, County Final, uh, way back in 1886. Uh, um,
3: it's terrific. It's actually such a reservoir of information. And, you know, for people listening, a lot of people think there's only the international team and, you know, the provincial no. sides that compete. Rugby goes deep into communities with, as you said, junior clubs, the tag rugby, everything. It's so vast, it really is.
5: Yeah, I found, for instance, uh, there's, there's four wheelchair rugby clubs in Ireland. Mm. One in Dublin, uh, and Antrim, Cork and, and Leash. And also I discovered, uh, for instance, the the oldest Trinity, uh, uh, Dublin University, uh, the star rugby club there was started in 1854. And it's the oldest continuous rugby club in existence in the world, going back to uh, 1854.
3: in this country, here it is. Yeah, we perfect. have history here on our doorsteps. And, Jerry, look for, for listeners today uh, who are rugby fans, who've had any you know interest through the years in rugby, have been involved with clubs or might have some information. How do people, can they look you up? I know it's a Facebook group. Is it a closed group or it's, what's it's, the story? It
5: is, it is a, a closed group on Facebook. And you have to go into, the link to go into that uh, group. Now, the peop- most of the people who are involved uh, on, on this page would be members of rugby clubs. Yeah. or Some of them actually are ex-rugby players. Some are actually uh, club uh, presidents, chairpersons. I have even referees. I have actually one or two of the uh, inter-provincial referees in, in our group. Okay, and we have a we have a link there to to join up, and uh, you have to you have to be kind of associated with a rugby club. Or I understand. And I understand. There, there are, there are so, rules that we have to obey. obey uh, yeah,
3: yeah. I understand that. Sure. If they had those rules, they mightn't have the problem with that fella that's a bit orange in the face in the White House. You know the lad I'm talking about. Anyway, um, let's yeah. let's just mention it again. The Facebook is called. Give me the name.
5: A- it's it's a i l rugby and club rugby.
3: Okay, AIL will B and Club Rugby Club Rugby that's it on Facebook yeah. you're doing a great job keep it up lovely to catch up with you today and uh, I wish you well Jerry. Yeah, yeah. and thank you very much Jerry. people make me sick what happened at Christmas everyone went mad just thinking about themselves nobody else and another thing I want to say I've been uh, out doing my once weekly shop today and when you go to the supermarket you see um, multiple members of families their mums dads children children. Folks, I just want to say today, this is a listener saying this to me. Uh, when you go shopping, it should really be one person from a household cutting down on the numbers as we're being recommended to do. It doesn't take a whole family to go shopping. And that is an interesting point. It really is. And I know people are trying to Occupy children's minds, give them a break from the home and everything like that. But that is a point really well made. Really, solo shopping is the way to go. One person for the household and keep it as safe as possible. Take them outdoors, bring them for a walk by all means. Give them the air. That's fine, all right. But uh, indoors, undercover... It's a recipe certainly for disaster. But look, the good news, you have to be positive in this as well and take the positives out of it. You've been hearing on our news there at lunchtime and on the bulletins, uh, different people speaking. And there are more vaccines and new vaccines being approved all the time. And now we're seeing uh, mass vaccination centres being opened this coming weekend to deal with the uh, vulnerable groups first. And then beyond that, greater numbers also. So that is positive. I think the the big thing now is uh, accessing supplies of the vaccination. That is the thing that's going to be key uh, for us uh, in the coming weeks and months. But look, uh, getting the numbers, uh, it will be getting the vaccines and opening these centres. It's progress. And let's keep a focus on that. Now, staying on the uh, COVID topic, uh, it's been revealed today that a mead-based company, RockDoc, uh, have commenced COVID nineteen antigen testing at its facility and at Dublin Airport. And joining me on the line is their CEO David Rock. David, hello again. Good morning. Good oh, afternoon. Thank it's you nice. for ta- Yeah, yeah. Well, I know you are busy, and I know it's difficult to find out what time of the day it is. You You're like the rest of us. There is no doubt about <laughs> it. It's confusing times. Time of- anyway, it is afternoon. It is afternoon. Good to have you with us on the show. Uh, tell us firstly, this uh, facility at the airport only for incoming and outgoing travellers
6: no it's open open to all members of the public and indeed businesses as well what were we launched the antigen um, product there to our suite of COVID testing and um, this morning at 3 a.m Um it's really to serve the the netherlands flights um, that are requiring an active antigen test within three hours of flight to complement their pcr test within three days so Obviously, with that change of legislation, we had to react and um, step up to the mark to, 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 to support these travel passengers, you know. Mm.
3: So it's for passengers primarily, but it is open to the public. You can book a test. Oh, yes. I
6: mean, majority of our tests for PCR and LAMP, they'd all be done for general members of the public more yeah. so than passengers.
3: Okay, so this is specifically this announcement today is to do with travel and the airport. Tell me about the accuracy of the test, and uh, uh, you know, all around that you're getting you're more confident all the time. I know when it came on stream, first people are saying, "Well, not too sure." What do you say about that now?
6: Yeah, we kind of we, we did a lot of analysis and cross analysis between um, PCR and the antigen testing. We, we took our time on on picking the right products, um, and we we have it down to two to three products of antigen that we're using, and that's based around um, how the accuracy and the supply chain. Um, there is a lot of many different products on the on the market that um, some of them are exceptionally good, and others are. Um, very inaccurate, and sometimes the the cost price of that would would reflect um, the accuracy of it. So we were very very concerned on this project project, and that's why we took our time and made sure that we we took hundreds of of PCR samples and cross matched them with um, the antigen products that we're using.
3: Do you believe that this will be an aspect of travel for the foreseeable future? I know at the minute it certainly is. But, you know, as vaccines roll out and more people in the world are vaccinated, is this here to stay?
6: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how long it's going to stay. I mean, I think we, we all just need to learn to 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 live with COVID. And certainly, uh, I mean, the Netherlands approach has been quite quite a rounded approach where you have the PCO or Three days in advance, and then just before you get on the plane, you have a further antigen test. Now, with molecular testing, getting them back within the hour is just not possible. So, um, with the antigen in in bulk, um, we feel that this is possibly um, quite a rounded approach to um, safe travel.
3: Mm. And uh, in in general uh, terms, you know, they, we see the numbers looking for testing at the moment in the public, and really a decision has been made there uh, not to test everybody. Uh, are you seeing greater numbers coming to you seeking your facilities? Yes, yeah, certainly it has
6: increased slightly. I mean, we were expecting it to be a little bit quieter this time of the year because we we have the the Christmas pressure um, just just on the lead up, and we were kind of expecting it to. To lull down for a few a few weeks, but um, certainly with that anu- announcement from the HSC, we, we did notice that some of the close contacts, al- although weren't meeting the criteria to be to be um, tested, that they still did want to, to to have a test themselves. So certainly during that period, yes, it it has increased slightly for that.
3: It's uh, an opportunity, and, and you know, in, in every difficulty there are opportunities for business, and I know you've been working for quite a number of years at music festivals, concerts, I know the Dublin City Marathon, you're a big backup for people there with your services. Um, there's a silver lining in every aspect of life, you really have to say that, don't you?
6: Yeah, I mean, it's been, a, it's been an interesting year because we, we, we have that and we also have the GP practices that we run, and if this is kind of born out of that solution, we looked and said, well, how can we, how can we step up to the market and assist during a, a pandemic? And um, we have the infrastructure in place. We have the facilities and the expertise. So we, we put our thinking caps on and this is what we've kind of we've come up with to, to do our little bit um, for for the pandemic.
3: Yes, and, and you are indeed. And if people are, are looking for a quick test, uh, I know it's €89 Euro for the test and the results are available within an hour. What's the best way to get in touch?
6: Yeah, so they log on to covidtech.ie um, and they can make the appointment for indeed, the antigen or PCR or, or, or LAMP as well. So all the tests are, are available to them now there on that, on that website on the portal.
3: Thank you for joining me, David. Wish you well. You too. Thank you for having me. Not at all. Take care. That's David Rock, the CEO of RockDoc. They're based in Ashbourne in County Mead, and they've been to the fore with this testing, all aspects of it there, as you heard, for quite a number of months now. But they've just launched that facility at the airport today for people travelling in and out, prompted by uh, the Dutch airline, as he said there. The test being required um, by the Dutch government, Uh, prior to travelling there. I think, as I said, this is going to be a facet of moving about travelling for the foreseeable future, regardless of the distribution and uh, people taking and getting the vaccine. I think it's going to be a part of uh, the journey now to be undertaken, our test to be taken before we journey to and from different places in the world. Late lunch, LMFM radio still to come on the show later on. Liam Blanche is with us to, from Boyle Sports to look ahead uh, at the action in the Premier League, big Premier League weekend coming up. Man United against Liverpool. <laughs> oh, that is some match, isn't it? And while I'm on the subject of the Premier League, let me mention that if you're a Premier League Footy fan, you can get closer to the action with a feast of live commentaries this Saturday on the LMFM app or by clicking on the Listen tab on the LMFM website. The action starts with a big uh, Midlands Derby between Wolves and West Brom, 12.30 tomorrow. Then you have West Ham and Burnley at 3.00. The London Derby between Fulham and Chelsea at half-past five. And finally, my God, I'm exhausted even talking about it. such a day of football. Leicester against Southampton, big game at 8 o'clock tomorrow evening. And remember, Premier League live with Now TV. You only pay for the games that matter to you, your sport, on your terms with Now TV and as I said Leon will be with us after three on the show but next up on Late Lunch if you're taking part in Veganuary if you'd like to incorporate more veggies into your daily meals or maybe once or twice a week well Tara Walker has the lowdown next. Yes, many people at this time of year are exercising more, starting off with New Year's resolutions. And one movement that certainly has caught quite a few people's imagination is the Veganuary. Yes, turning to vegetables more in our daily diet during the first month of the year. Some people switch over entirely. It's a big ask that I have to say. Others try maybe once or twice a week to incorporate just a vegetable-based uh, dinner or meal in their schedule. And I'm delighted to tell you that one of our most valued regulars were back to the East Coast Cookery School. Maybe not in person, but she's on the line. Tara Walker, afternoon. Hi, Jerry. Good to talk to you again. Thanks so much for joining me on the show. Look, you're familiar. I know uh, Tara with Veganuary and you, of course, uh, teach uh, in your school this particular aspect of eating. But can I ask you this first or say this to you first? The vegetable cupboard or your press in the fridge or wherever you have it. So many people waste a lot from that aspect of their larders. Tara, have you some advice for us there to begin?
2: Yes, absolutely. And it's something I say a lot to people is instead of, which is nice maybe on a weekend day going for a cookbook or going online and thinking of a recipe and deciding, right, that's what I'm going to cook. And then you go and buy the ingredients. Instead of having that approach, go into your fridge, go into your um, the drawers of your fridge where you might keep your vegetables and go into your, well, I keep them in the utility room, you know, where you keep all the root veg and the potatoes and all of that and have a look around and see what you have there, and take it out and put it out in front of you on your work surface, because you're probably going to be able to come come up with something really nice, just something as simple as a roast um, veg tray bake. You know, so your odds and ends of peppers or mushrooms or onions or whatever you have, and throw a bit of seasoning on it, a bit of olive oil, maybe a squeeze of lemon or olive oil, uh, sorry, a squeeze of lemon or orange or something like that, maybe a little sprinkling of cumin and cinnamon or paprika and cayenne, something like that, and into the oven. And you have a gorgeous side dish or the basis of a, of a, a dinner um, if you add some other protein into it. And that's a really good way to make sure that you're not wasting um, all the bits and bobs that you get left with. Um, and I actually love cooking that way myself. I love on a Monday or Tuesday, on a quieter day, just cooking that way and using up anything that I had from the weekend
3: So there you are, folks. It's there. Go out and check. It's there at the minute. You can do as Tara says right now. You have all the ingredients. You mentioned those additions and pepper and spices and things like that. So let's move to the cupboard and talk for a moment about proteins in tins. How important is that to have a nice selection there uh, in your uh, kitchen to you know, complement these recipes and what we're talking about at the moment?
2: Yeah, I think it's really important, like when I'm going doing my shopping, I always throw a few tins of bits and bobs in, um, and then like, for example, I'm not going to the supermarkets at the moment, just with the numbers so high, and I've had two classes every day for the last few days, and I've managed to keep my shopping list very small, even though we're doing lots of dishes, because I have a good store cupboard. So I had, like for example, today, I've just finished a class, um, a family cook-along, and we did... Some homemade baked beans. We made a lovely tomato sauce, first of all, again, with tins of tomato. And we had our cannellini beans, which you just rinse, cover in the lovely tomato sauce and sprinkle a bit of parmesan and into the oven. And you have a lovely, warming, kind of hearty um, lunch or side dish. Um, Obviously, you can bulk it out by adding some other vegetables in if you wanted. That was just what we did today. So the likes of red split lentils, which are dry in a bag, Pui lentils, which are also dry, they're very both very quick to cook because a lot of lentils take a long time to soak. So you need to be organized for those, like say your red, um your yellow split lentils and uh, the green ones, they take a while to soak overnight or the likes of cannellini beans and chickpeas if you have them in bags. So the red split lentils and the pui lentils are much faster to cook. You can kind of just decide, oh, I want those this evening and, and you'll get them done. Um, And then obviously you can get the green lentils and brown lentils in tins, which are very handy, chickpeas, butter beans and the mixed beans are lovely. I think we did it on the show a few years ago. We did a lovely um, mixed bean kind of casserole, which was super tasty with a tin of tomatoes and some vegetable stock. And so if you have those bits and bobs in the house, I think it makes it much easier to actually cook from scratch. And then, of course, your grains as well. So your quinoa, which has a lot of protein in it, unlike some of the other grains. Bulgur wheat is a great one as well if you're staying away from the meat because, again, it has a bit more bite to it. Your pearl barley, um, all of those kind of things are really nice to have. Obviously, all the usuals as well, like your pasta and your rice and everything. But those in particular have a higher protein content. And I think when you're trying to eat um, more vegetarian food, especially if you are a meat eater, I think it's good. You, you you will crave that protein. So it's good to have high protein um, dried and canned goods in the house.
3: Is it your policy? And, you know, I know you, you cook professionally and you teach professionally, but in your home there for yourselves, do you take one evening a week to say, look, we're not going to go the meat route or whatever. We're just going to go this road.
2: Yeah, absolutely. At least once a week. Like, we eat, we do eat a lot of fish in our house, but we probably only eat meat once or twice a week. Um, and we would have a lot of vegetarian meals. Funny enough, um, because I post the dishes to social media a lot, I had a couple of memories recently of this time last year. And I had probably done a lot of Christmas classes in the run-up to Christmas, and I was obviously really sick of meat. And they're all... Um, they're, like, proper nice roast Sunday dinners, but with no meat in them. So I've done, like, a whole roast cauliflower with different spices. It's actually a lovely recipe... Um, on the website and on YouTube for that um, with lentils, actually. So it's a lovely kind of centerpiece proper roast dinner. And um, then I'd also done some lovely roast butternut squash, big chunks of it um, in wedges with some nice spices. Um, and then I finished it off with a nice kind of um, lemon and garlic yogurt drizzled over it. So that's, that was really super tasty with my usual side dishes, but that was my main. And um, Another lovely one you can do, actually, if you wanted to have a proper kind of centerpiece um is um, slices of cauliflower cut into very big slices like a steak and then brush a little bit of harissa over and crumble a little bit of feta and that's a gorgeous kind of really filling and satisfying um, alternative to a meat steak.
3: I love cauliflower, I have to say. Some people don't, but it's a beautiful and a versatile veg. It really is. So look, a couple more before we finish. Simple suggestions to people today that you can rustle up quite easily.
2: Yeah, well, I'll tell you because I'm actually doing my vegetarian class tonight. I'm going to be doing a baked feta, which is really nice. That's another ingredient. Now, it's not vegan, obviously, but I would throw it always into the trolley because it has a long shelf life on it. It's super tasty. It's super filling. So I pop a whole um, whole pack of feta into an oven proof dish and I throw my little odds and ends of vegetables like my peppers, my red onions, things like that in, some lemon juice, olive oil, some dried oregano. And I roast that whole in the oven for about 10 or 15 minutes till it goes kind of nice and crisp on the outside. And then feta, it doesn't kind of melt the way, say, a mozzarella does, but it kind of holds nice warm chunks then. And then we make a nice garlic bread with that. That's like our little starter on the cloth this evening. And then we do a lovely homemade pizza with caramelized onion and potatoes. So we slice the potato really thinly on a mandolin. And we use caramelized onion, super caramelized. We've talked about this on the show before, slicing your onion and super slowly frying it um, in some olive oil and or rapeseed oil even and a little pinch of salt and doing it really slowly for at least half an hour so it gets that lovely rich kind of um, dark brown colour on it and that lovely caramelisation and we use that as the base of the pizza instead of tomato sauce and then we do slices of potato on top of that and some herbs I use thyme and then some nice cheese whatever cheese you want if you're not vegan and um, so I love a blue cheese with that just to give the flavour. But even you can go without anything. It's totally easy to have as a vegan dish and put any vegetables on it that you might want. And the other dish we're doing tonight then is a potato and spinach curry. And my husband would be, you know, he likes to have, he would be a bigger meat eater than I am, but he loves this curry. And um, It's really satisfying. It's a lovely homemade curry paste. And then we just simply do it with potato and chickpea and then we add some spinach in at the end. So like, there's loads of different variations on the theme of vegetables. And I think, look, for vegetarians, what can happen a lot is you're using a lot of the same ingredients over and over. Your selection of veg, your selection of pulses and grains. Um, And I think what is really useful to do is to try and cook it in as many different ways as possible. So obviously when you're roasting it, you get that lovely caramelised kind of roasted flavour. Or if you're blitzing it up into a nice tomato sauce as we've just made on our cook-along, you can have loads of different veg in there. Um, And you get a completely different texture. Or, of course, you can griddle it, which is really lovely as well. I love um, when we get more into summer, the likes of, you know, long stem broccoli and green beans and um, fennel bulbs and asparagus just on a griddle pan with a little bit of olive oil and lemon juice. You know, so there's so many different techniques to kind of changing the flavors up so that you don't feel a little bit same-samey with it.
3: Yes, and that is uh, the thing. The variety is the spice of life, as they say, and it so be it as well with uh, vegan, vegetarian, and using a lot of vegetables in a dish, uh, forming a dish, completely forming a dish as well. They're lovely, and honestly, God, listen to you there. You know, I, I'm just dying to go and try that one with the cheese because I have some blue cheese left over from Christmas, organic blue cheese, so I'm going to use that now in that recipe that you mentioned just there now. Tara, I know you're so busy and you're doing, going great guns with chips children with families on your classes. Remind us again to find out more information about the classes coming up and your recipes. The uh, website is? They're all
2: on eastcoastcookeryschool.ie
3: Tara, you're a star. I really appreciate you. You're so busy at the moment and taking time to join us on Late Lunch. But we keep the link and please God, as the year goes by, I'll be back out with you there to taste it.
2: Absolutely, Jerry. It's lovely to talk to you and I miss seeing you here now that I always look forward every month to our cook-alongs.
3: <laughs> ah, we'll be back, as the Arnold Schwarzenegger said, with the fresh veg from the garden here and an old trout fee as well. Look up, the year is lifting. It really is, Tara. Thanks a million. Take care of yourself. Thanks, Jerry. Bye bye. Take care. Bye. Bye bye. That's Tara Walker there from East Coast Cookery School. I do miss her. I loved going out there and I learned so much from her as well, but she's terrific. Check her out. Check the glasses out. Check the recipes. Eastcoastcookeryschool.ie. You're at late lunch on LMFM radio. Now, if you're in the market, to sell or buy a property, a house I'm talking about, well, it's not been straightforward these last number of months. And with the tighter restrictions, it's become more difficult than ever. So we're going to have a chat after the next break uh, with estate agent, Gary Little. Despite all, my impression is that houses have been going on the market and being sold, and there's been quite a bit of movement in the property market uh, this last year. But Things have certainly changed in recent days for estate agents. And if you're selling or buying, it's tougher. It certainly is. I'm talking about being able to go along in person and view a property. Uh, Gary Little is with Property Partners and he's on the line. Good to talk to you again, Gary. Hi, Gary. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for taking our call. First, uh, just a, an observation. I take it the pandemic has uh, separated the serious buyer from the casual.
7: Oh, it certainly has. Yeah, yeah. Um... I suppose back back in the summer of last year, um, we were given new guidelines in terms of who could actually view a property. Just, I suppose, the thinking behind it was to try and limit the amount of interactions with the public and coming in households. And obviously, um, the amount of people we were interacting personally as agents. So, they gave us guidelines to property regulators that anybody looking at a property had to show proof of funds and um, show that they're in a position to move on a property and sign a contract so it effectively meant that anyone going in to look at a property was a serious buyer and ready to move
3: I think a lot of people buyers and sellers welcome that and long may that continue even after this situation abates but Gary I do know in the last what 24 48 hours now you were able to allow people view under strict guidelines that's gone is it now
7: It is, yeah. So as of Wednesday, um, we got word from the property regulator and IPAV, the Auctioneers Institute, that we were to cease all physical viewings on on properties um, until the 31st of January, and it'll be reviewed after that. Um, So effectively, going out and looking at houses now has been put on hold.
3: What about the virtual, like the whole world is bloody virtual now. Don't get me started on that. But you look, at it's doing its job, I have to say, as well. What about virtual viewings, video tours? Are they part of your armoury now in terms of showing a property?
7: Oh, they are. And they've become, they've become very important for us. So when we're taking on a property now, um, not only do we just take the standard photographs of the property, we also take 360 degree images of each room. Um, and we do a kind of video walkthrough. So I suppose the three combined gives any buyer a really good indication of the property rather than just a, a dozen photographs on a website. So by the time they were coming to look at the property, they had a very good idea what, um what was on offer. The difficulty for us now is we're being told you can take offers on property, uh, if a property goes sale, agreed, we are allowed, then bring people in if contracts have been drafted and ready to sign, but the reality is ninety five percent of people will not want to buy a property or you know or bid on a property without actually physically seeing it.
3: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? They want to see what they're actually putting their euros into. You know, the way people bought off plans years ago, and, and it's, uh, you know, it's a facet of today where a development is being built. People look at a house, maybe even look at a virtual tour of a house. People will buy a new house off a plan more more so than a second hand property.
7: Yeah, well, I think there's a little bit more confidence buying the new house off plans. Um, They can see the consistency of the construction through the development itself. Um, They probably have already visited a show house. Um, A builder will be given the 10-year structural guarantee. Um, They're going to be on site if there's any little snags or issues to be dealt with, whereas a second-hand house is slightly different. Um, Mm. You know, they'll be looking to see what kind of Maybe maintenance or upgrades need to be done to the property just to be able to get in and see the general condition of it it 's just a little bit more difficult for people and it 's such a massive purchase Jerry like you know um would you would you would you buy it would you buy a, a car or a, a without taking it for a test drive you know <laughs> no,
3: no. yeah you're so, you 're so right have you noticed something just share uh, across my mind? Um, you hear that there's legislation coming in now uh, to bring it into law that people will have a right to work from home. Um, and you know, when you're thinking about a house now or a home, are, are people looking for that extra bedroom that they can perhaps convert into an office?
7: They are. Um, I suppose, like it, it was a bizarre year last year, and that like when it, when it all kicked off um, and we were locked down back back in the spring of last year. We didn't know what way the market was going to react to it. Um, For the first month, a lot of agents, including myself, were reporting a lot of people pulling out of sales because they felt the market was going to fall. And then I think when people started realizing how their lifestyle and their work environment was going to be going forward in terms of the option to work from home and all that kind of stuff they kind of started going, well, look, you know, we need the extra bedroom or we're renting a a two-bed apartment in Dublin and playing crazy rent. Sure, if we come down to draw, we could buy, get a mortgage for a lot less and we could have that extra room as a home office. Um, So, yeah, definitely the mindset has changed. Like, we've seen huge demand this year for country homes. Um, Anything out in the countryside um, had huge interest because people obviously felt they were going to be spending a lot more time at home as well.
3: Mm. Uh, so the trend is in that direction and will obviously become more so uh, with the, the changing times and the way people operate. Prices are looking in the Sunday Times last Sunday for Loudmead. Prices are up again. A buoyant market growing and prices going back are uh, nudging in the upward scale, Gary. no, No stagnation.
7: No stagnation. Now, the the price rises are small. And the the transactions, I was just reading a report by myhome.ie that they brought out um, last week. And they indicated that transactions last year were down 40% um, compared to the previous year. So there was transactions. I think a lot of people held off last year. They were thinking of selling in the spring and summer. And with the pandemic, they decided to defer it for a year. So there was very little properties coming on the market Um, There was good demand, and that probably kept the market fairly strong and fairly steady in terms of prices.
3: Lots of new bills. I I speak from a personal perspective here on the north side of Drogheda. Oh, my word, Gary, come out the Ballamackenny Road (laughs) and just look at what's happening. They're building a brand new town out here when you see the number of start-up bills that are happening. and Don't get me started on that one. On a small country road with no way in or out. Oh, my word. Anyway, look, I'm just saying and making a general point. There's lots of new bill going on uh, in this neck of the woods. There
7: is a lot of new bills. Um, It's appealing to, uh, you know, a a market there, particularly the first-time buyers who are able to um, get the Help to Buy scheme and are getting a good A-rated energy home and the, the banks are seem very keen to to lend first time buyers on the new home. So yeah, the new home market is buoyant. It's been it's been very active now in, in Drogheda for the last two years. I suppose like everybody, like I was the only down the Ballon Kenny Road today myself, um, doing an evaluation for one of the new bills and Yeah, look, it just goes to show how important that Northern Cross is going to be to this town. Like, It it really is going to need it because when everyone moves into these houses, um, the congestion and the pressure on the existing schools is
3: going to be huge. Mm, it certainly is. It is a must. It must be built. It must be funded ASAP. That is the message. Absolutely. Anyway, Gary, yeah. lovely to get your perspective on what's happening in the market. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thanks a million, Jerry. Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. That's Gary Little there from Property Partners with a look at the, uh, the market at this point in time. Oh, Jerry, forget about worms. What about this for combinations that I love to eat? Cheese and apple pie with ice cream. What? Are you joking me? And I thought I was bad talking about the worms. Oh, my God, almighty. Yes, there's actually news out today about bizarre food combinations. I spotted that in the paper earlier on today. And they are incredible, actually, what people will combine in terms of foodstuffs. And, yes, I mentioned the Gary there. That legislation is on the way enshrining into law the right to work from home uh, here in Ireland. Now, look at it. There are certain people can't work from home. It's as simple as that. It wouldn't be practical. But there are lots of others who have found this last while that they can do their jobs effectively and efficiently while working in their own space in their home. have to say, personally speaking, uh commuting. Commuting, certainly if you have long commute and everything and children involved, it's great to be at home. It really is. And when school is on, of course. But I, I personally say I love to get out of the house in the daytime. I really do. Uh to go somewhere and to meet friends and work and that whole social aspect of it. It's something that I hope comes back. I really do. I pray it does. Uh, but not those long commutes and the pressure that's on families. Get up early in the morning, put children into childcare. If that can be avoided and stupid meetings, people traveling from one side of the country to the other for a 10 minute meeting, you know, this bullshit that's gone on for years and the expense, mileage and hotels and everything. And I know it creates business with hotels and places and that. And that is an aspect of it, too. But all that type of nonsense now, it's brought it all to all of us to look at it and say. Did we really have to do it? And can we change in the future? Anyway, that's me tuppens worth, or One of me Words on Late Lunch today. A look ahead to sport and uh, David Bowie. Yes, our star of the week is uh, all coming up here in Late Lunch after news, weather and sport at three. Just listening to Michael there in the sports news talking about Angel Cabrera. Tell you a little story about Angel. Uh, I was in the K Club for one of the big uh, golf tournaments a good few years ago. It might have been a world championship or something like that. Anyway, it was hosted by the K Club and Michael Smurfett who owned the place at the time. And I remember we were following Cabrera, big man with a, a hell of a hit of the ball. Anyway, he, he'd hit, drove, drove an his drive on a hole went down the left hand side and Smurfit was following this group as well on a golf buggy with somebody driving him along. And of course he was inside the rope with the players, but wasn't he in Cabrera's way for the second shot into the green? And. He, he probably didn't realise her, and then he stood outside the buggy. Anyway, <laughs> Cabrera's caddy was trying to signal to him to get out of the way. He wouldn't, but then Cabrera roared down him. Hey, senor, get out of the... you know what way. And I just said out loud, and that's the owner. <laughs> And everybody started laughing in the group that we were in. He didn't realise who he was shouting at. The man who owned the golf club was hosting the event. Anyway, whether you were Michael Smorford or whoever, you had to get out of Angel Cabrera's way. Anyway, he's in a bit of bother back home in Argentina. Just that I tell you that little story, my memories of Cabrera at the K-Club. Uh, that burger, Jerry was an expensive one, says a listener, for the people who travelled 80 kilometres from me, the most expensive burger nearly of all time. Thank you indeed for that. And somebody else saying, Jerry, you're hardly naive to believe that they just went 80 kilometres for a burger. Well, maybe I am naive. Anyway, thanks for your comments to the show this afternoon. Now, our featured artist of the week all week this week has been David Bowie. And his final album was released on the 8th of January. Just tell you this, uh, 2016, it was called Black Star, and it was released for his 69th birthday. Little did we know that two days later, just two days later, on the 10th of January, his death was announced. Nobody knew about it, nobody expected it. He was such a private man. How he kept that close to himself and his family, God only knows. But what a shock it was. And when you listen to actually Black Star and the tracks on it, they're brilliant. It was really critically marvellously by the critics. And you could see that he was a man in the lyrics grappling with his own mortality. And here's the thing. After he died he sold 5 million albums in the UK and won 5 Grammy Awards. So remembering David today we're going back to the 80s. A big one. One of his best selling singles of all time. It's Let's Dance and David Bowie finishing off our featured artist on Late Lunch this week. Let's Dance David Bowie, a featured artist on Late Lunch this week. One of his biggest selling singles. His only song that went to number one in the UK and the USA. Only one ever. And that song produced by the wonderful Niall Rogers. Yes, we'll have another featured artist or artiste for you on Late Lunch next week. But up next on the show to round off at this uh, midweek in January, I'm joined to look ahead to the weekend Premiership Action by uh, the man himself from Boyle Sports, Leon Blanche. We're looking ahead to a selection of the games in the Premier League this weekend with Leon Blanche, Communication Manager with Boyle Sports. Afternoon, Leon. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Only one show in town. Liverpool versus Manchester United at Anfield. And, Leon, I was just looking at the final table last season. Liverpool finished 33 points ahead of United. And yet, going into this one... United are top by three themselves now.
8: Yeah, and you know what, Jerry? I mean, Manchester, you, know, you don't get to the top of the table by luck. Um, they've been exceptional away from home, only dropping two points all season. Liverpool have been exceptional at home, only dropping two points at Anfield, unbeaten there since 2017. So it's a real top-of-the-table clash, and it brings back the good old memories of Liverpool against Man United. This is the biggest rivalry in Premier League, in English Football League history. These are the top two clubs, the most decorated teams. And Liverpool are coming in off the back of two points from nine. A very disappointing return when you consider the opponents, West Brom, Newcastle and Southampton. Manchester United, it was tough against Burnley, but they got the job done. A little bit of luck with the deflection, but I thought they were worthy winners on the night. It was a big win. But Liverpool are favourites, just... A shade worse than even money. And United are the outsiders. With the draw proving very popular in the build-up to this game, it's just under 3-1 to one at 11-4. to four. I'm expecting the likes of Salah and Mane, who've been a little bit off the boil. Mane scored that goal against West Brom. Liverpool haven't scored in two games, which is very unusual. And I think Jurgen Klopp will have had the, the team together for about eight or nine days. Um, After the Aston Villa uh, victory in the FA Cup. And I think Thiago coming back to fitness, I think he's a very important player. But for Manchester United, they've got serious talent at their disposal. I think he'll go with probably Rashford, Martial, Fernandes and Podba as the kind of four attacking players with probably McTominay and Fred sitting in front of the back four. I think that's how Solskjaer will line up. I think both teams are capable of scoring. It's a very hard game to call. We've got a great offer, Jerry. It's a €10 Euro no-lose bet on this particular match. If, if your bet doesn't win, you get it back as a free bet, so it's a risk-free. And I just think Liverpool need the victory more than Man United. Liverpool are at home. United would be happy with a draw, but I just feel Liverpool, they're going to put in a better performance. I think that time on the training ground, no midweek match... They've had a good bit of time together maybe to get that mojo back that they've been missing. And I think Liverpool maybe to win it 2-1. But as I said, a really intriguing game of football to look forward to on Sunday.
3: Now, two other games quickly. City, the other half of Manchester, the blue side, oh, to use a racing parlance, Leon, they're coming <laughs> up along the inside rail, aren't they?
8: They certainly are, Jerry, uh, and I couldn't have put it better myself. They've, they've just kind of found their gear um, against Chelsea, they were absolutely brilliant at Stanford Bridge. They dominated Manchester United in the uh, League Cup semi-final. And their run of games from now, I think, until they go to Anfield at the start of February, I think they've got four matches, maybe five in terms of the Premier League, that are all very winnable. And if City win their game in hand, they'd only be a point behind United. And they'd obviously be looking at that game Liverpool against United but Man City at the moment they're favourites to win the league Jerry, I think rightly so the players are coming back to fitness there is still a doubt in my mind however with Aguero I just don't think we're going to see Sergio Aguero really unless he can sort out these injury problems they're at home to Crystal Palace who on their day can prove a bit of a giant slayer Palace are 16-1 to 1. But you'd have to fancy Manchester City to get all three points. And they'll know the results from Anfield. This is the game immediately after that Liverpool-Man United game. I think they'd be hoping for a draw at Anfield. But City will look after themselves. They'll beat Palace. But it won't be easy. Palace can be really difficult to break down as Arsenal found out only last night.
3: Absolutely. Don't be rubbing in the salt to a national fan's (laughs) wounds that you're talking to today. Don't get me started on that one. Anyway, finally, just quickly before we finish, there is another big game. Leicester are fourth. They're only four off the pace. They take on Southampton, who are in seventh and in good form. Only three behind Leicester. It's an interesting tie.
8: A very, very interesting tie in Southampton. For me, Liverpool uh, fans complained about, oh, we just didn't play well enough. I think you've got to give a lot of credit to Southampton and how they played that game, they limited Liverpool to one shot on target. Now, they can hit you on the break. Danny Yings, what a brilliant finish from the ex-Liverpool striker to beat his old club. But Leicester, Jamie Vardy, there is a little bit of a, a small doubt. He ha- is carrying a little bit of a hip injury, but I think he's going to be all right to play in the Saturday night fixture. Leicester are favourites, but, Jerry, I'm going to sit on the fence in this one. I think this is going to finish in a score draw. This could be an entertaining game of football. It mightn't be high scoring because both defences are quite good but I think both teams are able to score so maybe a 1-1 draw uh, when Leicester face Southampton on Saturday night at 8 o'clock.
3: Leon, as usual, thank you so much for the look ahead and it's with bated breath everybody waits for that game at Anfield between Liverpool and United. We'll talk to you next week, Leon. Have a
8: great weekend, Jerry. All the best.
3: Take care of yourself. That's Leon Blanche there, communications manager with Boyle Sports. I see breaking news there uh, from CNN just coming in uh, before we finish today, uh, telling us that um, word and not word, evidence has emerged that the rioters in the capital uh, that went into the chambers there had definite plans uh, to capture and assassinate some of the elected officials and federal prosecutors uh, say they have evidence and they've just filed that in a court hearing there. It's even more chilling the more you think about that, isn't it? Anyway, next week is a big week in the States. Joe Biden to be inaugurated on Wednesday as uh, the next president of the States with huge security, huge, massive in Washington. And that story will certainly dominate uh, the airwaves and more besides next week. Anyway, that's a lot this week on Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. I want to say as usual, my thanks. My thanks to all the guests who joined me during the week. To you, our listeners who tune in and join in the chat every day. Appreciate your company. To Eamon Doyle back at base and my producer, Louise Walsh. Thanks so much indeed. Couldn't do this without you. Have a nice weekend. Take care of yourselves. Get out, get a bit of air, a bit of exercise and let's keep Keep to the restrictions and do our very best this weekend and keep it going because there is real light on the horizon. That's a promise and that is coming our way as the year goes on. But we've got to do our best uh, this weekend and for the immediate future. Take care of yourselves. Have a nice weekend. Eddie Caffrey's up next with The Drive. See you Monday, half past one.
2: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Dock and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website. BlackstoneMotors.ie Stay safe from Blackstone Motors.
0: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze
1: Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. Plushcare.com/weightloss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to eighty percent less than clay litter.